Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? I hope you said fine, because we've got a great show lined up today. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haas Paranormal Investigation Team, based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you do have, if you think you might have a paranormal issue, we can get you. Get adjusted here. It might take us a while, because California is a big state. In fact, when many people think about California, let me get this adjusted. I moved all this stuff the other day. Uh, when people think about California, they think about kind of like Hawaii. First thing that comes to mind is beaches, right? Out on the beaches. Well, there are a lot of beaches up and down the West Coast. I'm kind of in the middle of the state. But uh, there's also a lot of farmland. There's also a lot of mountains. And there's high desert and you know, normal desert that, that California is made up of. And, and it, it's, it's huge. It's, it's bigger than a lot of people think it is. So in that, that being the case, you know, even though we have people, you know, 45 people up and down the state, it still may take us a day or two to get out to help you, but uh, we will help you. And before we get out there, we have psychics and, and, and mediums on staff who, who can call you and talk to you about what may or may not be going on in your place of business or home. And in most cases, they can settle down the energy until we get there. And I can guarantee you it only take us no, no more than three days to get out to you to help you out. So, you know, so look us up on Facebook, look us up on Twitter, look us up on Twitch, look us up on, on TikTok. Look us up on, on uh, Instagram. Because on Instagram, it's Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. On Facebook, it's my name and California Haunts. On Twitter, it's California Haunts. On Twitch, it's Cal Haunts. And over at t- uh, TikTok is California Haunts. So you can find me over there as well. And uh, then we can take it from there. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody. If you're watching from Facebook tonight and you see and like what you hear, do me a favor and hit that follow button if you haven't done so already. You know, we're trying to build up our followers and our our audience and stuff, and I really appreciate it. Also, you know, if you do like what you hear and uh, you, you you want to spread the word for me, share it. You know, there might be some, someone else sitting there in your house that, that maybe, you know, doesn't know about the show and has a good chance to say, hey, there's a really cool little show over here. Come on over and watch it. So, yeah, please do share. Please do share. Also, I, what I ask for Facebook, too, is the thumbs up, happy faces, smileys, and all that good stuff, and comments. Always comment. Because what that does is it puts us up in that algorithm, the FYP, and it, it helps Facebook, it makes, it, it makes Facebook take notice, and then they distribute us further out. Same thing with YouTube. If you like what you see and hear, share us. If you have friends that might, that might, might be interested in all this, that's a good it falls down. And be sure to uh, subscribe if you haven't done so already. We have seven, over 700 videos over on YouTube, all of this show. All different topics. So all you have to do is go over there and take a look. Now, what I've done, because it's overwhelming with the 700, I can guarantee you that it gives me a headache, is I've started categorizing them into folders. So if you're into cryptids, there's a cryptid folder, which is where this show's going to end up in about a week. And uh, I, I'll archive everything in about a week after I do them. And we've got a UFO folder. Nancy Matz has her own folder for her shows and things like that. That way, when you go in, you can just go to whatever topic you, you need to to look the stuff up because otherwise i'm telling you i've done it myself it's mind-boggling without many videos sitting over there okay it's really mind-boggling so i did that to help you guys out a little bit and again give us you know show us show us some love comment give us some thumbs up give us happy faces hearts whatever because that again uh, youtube works the same way like facebook does with that algorithm it'll the, the more we get the more it'll put it push it up out to others and that's what we're looking for you know, I always say at the end of the show that if you like the show, share it with five people. And if you hated the show, share it with five people anyway. <laughs> that's the rule. That's, that's the going rate. We, we, we want you to share, 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 because we want to get the word out. Okay, that being said, my guest tonight has been on before. The last time he came on, he was he talked about a topic. I grew up listening to stories about the, bog, the boggy creatures, all the movies and stuff. So we talked about that. But this time, we've got a whole other, he's got a whole other story to tell. Lyle Blackman. And uh, he's, we're going to be talking about the Bishopville monster. It's just maybe a lizard man. 
So we're going to be talking. He's going to be telling us about that and his experiences. You know, kind kind of investigating and looking into that. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Lyle in, and uh, we can get started. How's that sound, guys? Here we go. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. I'm excited to see you again. Right on. For, for everybody who don't know, who, who doesn't know who you are, can you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, sir? Well, my name is Lyle Blackburn. I live in Texas. I was born and raised here. Uh, I've had a lifelong interest in strange and unexplained phenomenon, as I'm sure most people who listen uh, can identify with that. Um, you know, started out with ghosts, UFOs, and always loved uh, cryptids. You know, when I was young, I went hunting with my father. So uh, tales of, of possible unknown creatures in the woods really appealed to me. And then as we talked about last time, I saw the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek back in the 70s when I was really young. And that really just uh, got me on the track of that. And uh, years later, um, you know, I really kind of as an adult started looking into these topics and cases more seriously with, a, uh, you know, more adult investigative skills, I guess. And uh, that resulted in my first book called The Beast of Boggy Creek, which came out in 2012. And that sort of launched me on a path of uh, just more investigations and more books. Um, you know, I've got a total of eight books now and been on various television shows and worked with a company called Small Town Monsters making documentaries about uh, these same sort of monsters. So it's just something I've always been into and love to pursue. What do you think is, uh, is, is people's fascination with cryptids? Well, you know, I think it's like the broader range of these topics. It's just that, um, you know, kind of that that wonderment or that there there are things that are still undiscovered out there, things that we just can't quite define, you know, and and sort of that thrill that you just might be the person who could find the proof or explain it or just simply have an experience yourself. Uh, an encounter, you know, because you, you kind of think about these things, you hear somebody else's story, but how would you react in that situation, um, good or bad? So I, I think it's something that innately appeals to us as humans to to want to look into and solve mysteries. And, you know, in the case of cryptids, I think it's the, you know, those that kind of have an affinity for the outdoors, the woods, who go exploring in remote mountains and forests and hiking. Mm -hmm. Well, it provides that, you know, unknown element when you're out there in the wide world. Now, you're, now you yourself, have, have you seen like, like, like a Sasquatch or anything like that? Well, I've, I've had several experiences. Um, some of them merely um, howls and, and something just out of view. But I have had what I think could, could possibly be a sighting. I'm not going to say 100% because I didn't have a really, really good look, but it was during the day, and this was only several years ago, uh, in fact, in the Boggy Creek area, when I I just saw this huge, actually a reddish colored thing move between these cypress trees in this swampy area where there's a long history of sightings, and it was some place that I've been many times and had other experiences, but this was just pure luck, really, and so... Mm -hmm. You know, those things like that always kind of keep you on the trail because you're like, you know, you're just one step closer. Now, talking about the Bishopville monster, how, how did you get into researching that? Well, after I uh, had published my book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, and that came out, um, you know, I, I was quickly contacted by several television shows like Monsters and Mysteries in America, who did a segment and a lot of just uh, invitations to come speak at Bigfoot conferences. So I thought, well, this is great. You know, I like this and I should write another book or, or look into another case. So I had read many times about this uh, case that occurred in Bishopville, South Carolina, back in the late 80s. And people had reported seeing this upright, scaly type humanoid that they called the Lizard Man. And to me, it, it kind of was reminiscent almost of a, of a creature from the Black Lagoon or something. And mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of that movie, love that kind of thing. And I thought, well, you know, 
what is it people are were seeing back then? Are there still sightings? So I went to uh, Bishopville, which is a very rural uh, area in Lee County, South Carolina. And I spoke to several witnesses and spent a lot of time in the town and mostly interacted with the retired sheriff, Liston Truesdale, who had been there when all of this stuff really took place uh, starting in 1988 and really blew up into this whole media sensation and a lot of reports. And he had collected everything, newspaper clippings, all the police reports, photos, affidavits from the witnesses, things that you don't normally have in a cryptid case or any of these cases. I mean, most of the time the law, law enforcement will just try to, you know, brush it off, but, but he took it seriously, not, uh, you know, not necessarily believing or not believing that there was a quote unquote lizard man, but just that something was going on and he felt like people could even be hurt. So he, he pursued this uh, in a very investigative way using his skills and uh, so once I got there and kind of saw the scope of this and, and just almost how it had just overtaken this little town of Bishopville at the time all this was going on and, and all the newspaper reports and People Magazine had come down there and it was on the uh, Good Morning America. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. And so, you know, I, I thought, well, this is great. This makes, you know, for a great book. And so that became my second book. Um, the uh, the Bishopville monster. Interesting, and in your investigations in it, were, were there like common things that were going on, or was it was it just random stuff, or, or how'd that work? Well, how this really started was initially um, back in July fourteenth, nineteen eighty-eight. The uh, the Lee County Sheriff's Office got a call from some a family that lived outside of Bishopville, and it's an area called Scapor Swamp. It's kind of a wild and swampy place, of course. And they lived there, and they said their car had been, what they believed, attacked by an animal or something. It was all torn up, and they could see footprints and hair and all sorts of stuff. And so some some of the deputies went out there and you know, they're looking at it. They're like, yeah, it, it definitely looks like something's been biting and, and clawing. And, you know, the trim was ripped off the car and all sorts of stuff. And they just thought this is really weird. Um, so they called the sheriff, Liston Truesdale, and he came down there uh, to have a look. And in the process of, of just trying to figure out just what had happened, uh, some of the locals kind of began to, you know, crowd around they see the police there and and one one guy said well maybe it's the lizard man and sheriff truesdale said what well, lizard man what do you mean and, and uh, this young man said that people in the area had been seeing this uh upright humanoid type thing it was either brownish or green and they just called it the lizard man and so that's kind of how you know, the, the police were clued into it. And of course, very quickly thereafter, there was a newspaper report and that kind of brought in some more people. Um, and then, then that brought in a young man who came in with his father to the police station and said that he had something that he should probably tell them because it may have to do with this, this whole lizard man case. And that, that young man's name was Christopher Davis, and he was a high school student. And he said that about two weeks earlier, he had been driving home after his fast food job in Bishopville, driving through Skateboard Swamp, had a flat tire. So, I mean, he's out there in the middle of nowhere, so he just had to change it. And as he was just finishing up putting the jack and the, the uh, tire back in the trunk, he looks up and in the in the moonlight, he could see this humanoid thing coming, coming at him. And he first took it, you know, as a person, which would have been scary enough out there. But as it got closer, he said he could tell this was some sort of a, uh, of a thing, a creature. And it, it, you know, walked up right on two legs. It looked brownish or green. Um, it had reddish eyes. It had, uh, you know, long clawed fingernails and such. And he jumped in the car and, you know, 
took off and this thing tried to pursue him and try to get in the car before he wow. could get rid of it. So once he told that to the police um, and then that story got in the newspaper, you can imagine that now it was just uh, just sort of a media frenzy from there. Absolutely. And how many, I mean, how, how frequent are, are, are the sightings of this thing? Well, uh, once, once that story got in the newspaper, then you had several other people that came forward and said they had seen basically the same thing in and around Skateboard Swamp and on the Skateboard Bridge um, in the last couple of years. Um, but they they didn't know, you know, they saw this and just thought, well, I'm not going to tell anybody because, you know, people think you're crazy. So it wasn't until, they, you know, other people had reported it that the witnesses were comfortable to come forward and talk to Sheriff Truesdale. After that, then you also had uh, more sightings. So the frequency was like every several days and then maybe a gap of a, of a week or something that some of the locals would report seeing something you know, run across the road. Um, there was a crop duster that worked in the area who said he saw some kind of bizarre thing uh, running on two legs across his little runway that he has on his property. And I interviewed him and some of the others. Um, so, you know, once the once the ball got rolling, there was people coming forward with the sightings. And as well, there was, you know, people running amok in Skateboard Swamp trying, you know, I'm going to find the lizard man. And it just became a real problem for the police and the locals. Was there ever any footprints or anything like that found? There actually were. Um, shortly thereafter, um, when Chris Davis's story came out, uh, the sheriff's deputies got a call kind of late one night and a woman said she heard this just uh, blood curdling scream or howling coming from the swamp area so they drove down there and in that area just kind of goes off the blacktop and it's literally dirt roads that go to some of those old houses out there they were down there and they came across um what looked like footprints that went across the road and they got out and looked at those and there were these just really, really bizarre looking three-toed tracks. They were huge and definitely didn't look like any normal animal or certainly not a human. Um, so they ended up taking uh, plaster casts of those and, and you know, that sort of was entered into the evidence of the lizard man. So, so there was stuff like that going on too. You know, that's not the only, I mean, as far as around the United States, you know, the only story of something with three toes like that, you know, because you hear stories of that all the time, especially in the swampy areas, there either three toes or it looks like they have webbed feet. Absolutely. And, and you know, that kind of uh, jumps over to, to the Boggy Creek case, because in that case, it was described as a Bigfoot-like creature, but uh, the footprints that were found at the time back in the early 70s were three toed and you also had the honey island swamp monster from southern louisiana that had been seen in the late 60s and 70s that had three toes and then you, you know there's just a smattering of these bizarre three toed either sort of sasquatch like prints or more reptilian uh type things mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so when they were all out looking for this thing i mean were they taking guns with them or were they just out looking for this thing? I mean, did they go off with the intent to kill one? Well, uh, you know, some of the, many of the locals were, I mean, and, and that was almost a bigger concern to the, to the police because you had the potential of whatever this unknown thing was uh, a monster or whatever. Um, and then you had people down there with shotguns heading off into the swamp, which is a dangerous place. Um, Mr. Truesdale told me some just crazy stories. I mean, he, he was chasing a moonshiner in there one time and fell into quicksand. Um, so, you know, definitely a dangerous place in swamps. You know, you have venomous snakes and alligators and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you had people in there. And that's probably because the, the local radio station uh, put out a bounty. I think I, I want to say it was uh, one... Uh, Columbia radio station offered $1 million if you could bring in uh, the creature. So, you know, of course, people are going to run amok and, right. 
And so, yeah, and, and it was just people, like I said, it was kind of dirt roads down there leading to Scape War. And I mean, I talked to a lot of locals who said there was just cars lined up down that road, just, just crazy. I mean, it's just, just a crazy thing. Um, how big of an area is it? I mean, for that thing to be able to hide. Well, uh, Skateboard Swamp, and, and there's there's different kinds of swamps. I mean, you know, blackwater swamps and, and marshes and, it, it, and like the Everglades is more of a flowing river. Um, Skateboard Swamp has a, a swamp channel, a bayou flowing river channel, um, and it runs for many, many miles. And along the banks uh, of that area, it, it's quite wild. Um, or at least definitely was at the time and offered plenty of, uh, you know, seclusion for just about anything that wanted to live back in there. So, you know, it, it, it just sort of passed by that area outside of Bishopville, but it was, you know, long and then it, it kind of connected to other waterways and uh, creeks and rivers and other forested areas there in South Carolina. So yeah, it was a, uh, you know, plausible that something unknown could be hiding in there. Now, when you're looking at the reports and talking to people about this stuff, are you able to kind of sort out who's telling the truth or who who, who might be telling the truth and who's just stretching it just to be involved with the, you know, with the stories? Yeah, you actually could because, you know, any and I've noticed this in these kind of cases where there's this sudden flap of sightings and then there's a bunch of media coverage. Well, you know, you have your honest witnesses who just saw something they can't explain. And you also often attract, you know, people who don't care, have no integrity, and they want to just either add to the case or, you know, trick people or, or whatever they their intentions are. Mm -hmm. And in this case, they Sheriff Truesdale did find one guy who claimed he had shot the lizard man. He came to the station with these fish scales. It was it was totally ridiculous. Um, and all that's kind of recorded in the newspapers at the time and, and in, in uh, Truesdale's papers. So you could kind of eliminate those kind of jokers. But um, Sheriff Truesdale did, when possible, um, and especially the later sightings, he had those people come in and write down what they had seen. And there was a sighting that was, uh, I think it was in 1990, so it was after that a family of five was driving through there late one night and they saw this thing jump out and run across the road. And uh, three of them came in, the adults, and, and wrote down their statements. So you could literally read these, the thoughts of the witnesses right there at the time, you know, not years later, not recollections, but, but what was written there. And when you read these, you can 100% guarantee they, they saw something they couldn't explain. I mean, it doesn't prove it's a lizard man. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the descriptions kind of varied, but I mean, it was a quick, it were quick sightings and it, it's fairly dark. Um, but yeah, these people saw something. How tall is that thing? Uh, it was described as being, you know, roughly six to seven feet tall. Um, you know, and, and anthropomorphic, which means, you know, roughly human shaped. It had mm -hmm. two legs, two arms, stood upright, um, you know, tall, somewhat taller than a man. Um, so a lot of the newspapers kind of had a tongue in cheek approach and they would draw, you know, draw the lizard man and it would have like an alligator snout looking thing and all kinds of kooky stuff. But that that's not what people described. And and only a few people even described it as having a tail. For the most part, it was this humanoid thing, almost what we think of like with more with like a reptilian or even this sort of crossover with extraterrestrials or reptilians or a race of reptoids. So it's so very much uh, human-like. What do you think these things are? I mean, you've got, you've got this lizard man, you've got the boggy creature, you've got a Sasquatch. Do you think that these things were on the earth long, were here long before us? Or do you think that maybe, you know, some alien test gone wrong and they just put them back out here? Well, you know, I, I think any and all of those are, are possibilities because ultimately we, we can't say for sure unless we had a body or, or one walked out of the woods and greeted us. But, mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think in, in the case of, of the reptilian type thing, it definitely it's more of a jump as far as biology, that it's not some sort of half human, half lizard um, situation. You know, this would be something that if, if this if this exists, then it either had to have been here all, all along. And some theories suggest that there, if survive, if some dinosaur species had survived and continued to evolve and perhaps had flee, fleed underground and survived, you know, the cataclysmic event uh, that wiped out the rest of the dinosaurs, that perhaps these things would end up looking uh, much more like us as their brains grew and they stood upright uh, or yeah, I mean, extraterrestrials is certainly a explanation. Although, you know, there was not, there's not really UFO sightings to correlate with this. So, right. um, and, or people believe that there's possibly a, a, a shape shifting lizard people that live among us. Uh, you know, you don't know. I mean, um, was it a was it a giant hoax? You know, a couple of people came forward saying I was the lizard man. I was the one that scared Chris Davis. Mm -hmm. However, they couldn't really account for all the other sightings. It's like they just forgot that they need to. If you're going to claim something, you got to explain how you were down there in the swamp for the last, you know, five years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so all those, you know, and as far as Boggy Creek Monster, where you're getting more descriptions in a the nature of a Sasquatch, you know, I think it's those could be pushed more into uh, some undisco undiscovered ape, um, wild man, and, and then across the board, you know, a lot of people, there's theories that these kind of things are coming through portals or from other dimensions. And, um, you know, again, you, you can't say they're not um, until we can prove otherwise. So it's sort of that is the whole appeal is like trying to figure out what just what this thing is and what people saw. Right. Were you able to go and take, take a look around the swamps or not? I did. Uh, um, and, and on this investigation, I, I went to several swamps during that that investigation. I'm what I call the swamp tour, but I was with uh, my longtime research partner, Cindy Lee, and uh, we were able to uh, go out in into those woods and along that uh, channel there and go to the skateboard bridge where people had literally had sightings and look around and and you know again we what we found in in, a, in that case like many of the other swamps we've been to is it's definitely a rugged place mm -hmm. um, and and then just having the opportunity not only to talk to Sheriff Truesdale but some of the witnesses, uh, Frank Mitchell was one that he was the crop duster that had a daytime sighting. Uh, we talked to him at length. Uh, he's since passed away. So I'm, I'm glad I was able to inter interview these guys. Mm -hmm. Sheriff Truesdale's also passed away. So my book sort of becomes now that preserving record uh, of all these incidents. So what do you think this is in your personal mm -hmm. opinion? Well, in, in my personal opinion, I, I think part of it um, is people saw saw something unexplained down there. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was a reptilian humanoid. Um, I think given some of the witnesses who said they thought it had hair, um, it's it's even possible that it that it's a rogue Bigfoot or, you know, coming out of the swamp, it's got it's wet, it's got algae on it, uh, mm -hmm. even a skin condition um, that, I mean, it could perhaps be something like that. Um, you know, I think some of the, some of the witnesses, the, you know, the fever of media coverage and stuff, some people would see things that not a real solid sighting. So mm -hmm. perhaps uh, some of those could be thrown out, but at the end of the day, um, like Christopher Davis and some of these other, he, he was even given a polygraph test and passed. So um, in my opinion, uh, it's really hard to pin down one, you know, one culprit for this because it is just so bizarre. Now, earlier when you mentioned like one of the first sightings of this thing where it looked like it was, it seemed like it was being aggressive and coming after someone. 
have you have how many reports that are out there like that or is it or has it been more benign you know when people see it it's off in the distance most of them you know were you know not it wasn't coming at people or being aggressive um and in the lizard man uh case in that time period you had christopher davis's incident which is definitely aggressive uh, you had one other where it, it kind of lunged and, and tried to get in a car. Mm -hmm. uh, you had other cars that were reported with damage. That first one I talked about. But then later, there's been uh, several other set uh, cars over the years that, I mean, were obviously, um, you know, an animal or something uh, had damaged them. Um, but most of the sightings you know brief somebody sees it run across the road they're standing there they see something come out of the woods and it goes back in mm -hmm. which is pretty much it can be applied to most most cryptid cases bigfoot i mean you've got some of those creatures seem to be aggressive and you got stories of it attacking people but by and large it's usually just a very brief sighting and and that's it now from, from the beginnings of these sightings did the sightings peak at one point and then settled down or are they super consistent? They did kind of peak like so so this was summer of nineteen eighty eight and then like I said once once the sightings started getting reported then uh several locals came forward and they had seen something going back as far as nineteen eighty six, so two years prior. And then the sightings there wasn't a lot, but it kind of just trailed off into the 1990, around 1990. So about two years after that, still some sightings. And then after that, it, it pretty much uh, goes quiet and, and you don't get, you know, any more reports, at least not in Bishopville. Now, I've had other reports of these same sort of lizard men or reptilian humanoids. Um, but in that case, it just was sort of this concentrated flap of sightings and hysteria and news coverage and then after a couple of years either you know the, the thing moved on it died it whatever it was it just right. stopped i just wonder if they migrate with, with the food supply well certainly i mean if they're if these are biological animals then mm -hmm. that would be definitely the possibility and i think reports of bigfoot fall very much in that because you will you, you can go up and down waterways and you'll have a pattern of sightings. And oftentimes I've got sightings from somebody who doesn't even know the other person who kind of corroborates that perhaps these things move, uh, move around a great deal. And what better way to travel than sort of along uh, riverways or these swamp channels that are usually have some sort of tree coverage or, and they have, they go under roads under the, with the bridge. Um, so yeah, definitely. And like any other large mammal or predator, um, if you look at the range of a, of a mountain lion or something, it, it's got a significant range. So I think something like this would just have to do what it has to do and go follow the food and water supplies. Now, when, like, when we think of Sasquatch here in California, we think of, you know, further up north in the woods and how expansive, you know, those woods are. To where these things, I mean, I'm saying things because I think there's populations of them up there. You know, I think there's a bunch of them up there. They're just able to hide because there's just so much space for them to hide in. Is that the case with this one, that there's a lot of space out there where, where they could hide? Well, you know, down down here in the in the south, there's there's a lot less contiguous forestry. And, and that's that becomes a problem because you're, you're right. The Pacific Northwest, you just look at that and go, dude, Bigfoot can easily live out here and does, you know, mm -hmm. down here, it's, it's a bit more scattered. So you, you, you know, you have these swamp areas, you've got the foothills of the Appalachians that, that run into Georgia. Um, you've got mountainous areas like Washita's in Eastern Oklahoma and Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, and those are usually the places that you're getting these reports. Um, and here in the case of the lizard man, it's a, it's a swampy area. But as far as uh, being something as vast as some of that area in the Pacific Northwest, by no means uh, does it even compare to that. So, so things are a little more broken up here, and 
perhaps again why you you have a pattern of sightings near waterways because that's usually where there's the most um you know rainfall and forestry another question i was just thinking about is people that live way up in, in the swamps because there are people that live up there and whether it's moonshiners or, or, or whatever's up there have there been reports from people like that because i mean if, if anybody's going to see them it's going to be somebody that's way up in the middle of nowhere absolutely and in a lot of these yeah you see the same patterns in these sighting cases where here in the, in the lizard man case you know the guy who one of the guys who came forward and said well you know i didn't say anything but i saw something uh this this upright creature run between some trees several years ago well this guy lived right up in the swamp area mm -hmm. so you know he's he's kind of in the heart of it and and in the boggy creek case kind of same thing you had mm -hmm. a lot of the locals that lived down there on the sulfur river and along boggy creek well they had sightings of of this long before it ever got any kind of press coverage so it was only till like somebody somehow reported it to the newspaper and then they would just come forward and say, well, you know, we've been seeing this thing down here for years. We just don't run to the newspaper, mm -hmm. which gives it some credibility, I think, because, right. you know, it didn't just pop up out of nowhere. Um, and also I should add that in, in the case of the, the Bishopville lizard man, I found through my research, very coincidental or very odd that uh, some of the, um, Santee uh, Native Native Americans, the tribes that lived in that area, they had a particular story of this race of of beings that would come from uh, come from the east or come from the coast, and they would come through that area, the very area where Bishopville sits today, and they described these things as being um, kind of like lizard men with these hard, long tails and um, things like that. And they said when, when the fish kind of dried up at some point, they kind of disappeared. But, mm -hmm. I mean, it's weird. I was like, you know, hundreds of years before somebody reports the sighting of a lizard man in Bishopville, here you had Native Americans describing basically the same kind of creature. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. The other thing, I, you know, I was thinking about this and, I would love to go on an expedition. I mean, like I, I've been up in Happy Camp, where I've gone out with those guys, you know, the, looking for Sasquatch. But something like this would be interesting because it is a swamp. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of gravitate towards swampy things, and you know, kind of being from Texas and the southern kind of thing. You know, people have asked me, how come, you know, are you ever going to write a book about? Uh, Pacific Northwest Bigfoot. I'm like, well, there's so many good books on that. My thing is, you know, swamps and all this kind of odd and strange reports of creatures down here. So I'm often uh, visited swamps, Honey Island Swamp, uh, Skateboard Swamp, uh, Mercer Bayou near Boggy Creek, uh, Okafinoki Swamp, mm -hmm. um, which is in southern Georgia. And in fact, I have a book called Sinister Swamps, and mm -hmm. that covers a lot of the uh, sw swamps around North America that have uh, a long history of sightings, not just of cryptids, but I mean, any kind of strange and paranormal things from ghosts mm -hmm. and orbs and uh, reports of cannibals, cannibals and witches. It, swamps just seem to have an air of strangeness and um, naturally it's a, it's a kind of place where it's not as developed. It's, a uh, place where somebody could find refuge, whether it be a an animal or a person. Um, so that yeah, they're great areas, and you know, I, I do go into those swampy swampy things and look around myself. Well, tell me about that. Tell me about you know going out. What, what equipment do you take? How, how do you do it? Well, um, well, I'm not I'm not particularly a, a tech kind of guy, but I, I definitely you want the basics. I mean, under any circumstances, which obviously you need survival gear. I mean, you need lights, flashlights, you know, whatever uh, camping uh, supplies you need. And certainly these are dangerous places. You know, I, I have, you know, uh, high boots, snake boots that mm -hmm. protect me. You know, I walked right by cotton mouse and other things before. 
Um, so you have to be mindful of just, first off, the dangers that are out there that are not even related to cryptids. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you want gear like, you know, you want a camera and oftentimes uh, audio um, equipment that could record um, vocalizations that you hear would be a good one. Um, and, you know, we've got some some like uh, FLIR thermal cameras. Those are great to be able to pe penetrate, you know, further into the woods um, to get a heat signature from something. Um, and then a lot of times we have used canoes to get into these places. That's really the best way to, to move deeper into the swamp. So uh, myself and, and Cindy or uh, my late research partner, Tom, uh, I've written about a lot in, our, in my books. And, you know, we, we take those canoes back in there and just kind of paddle into, you know, where, where there's nobody out there. And then we'll either do that and return or sometimes even camp uh, on an island or something back there. And that kind of just immerses you in that, you know, you are in the environment where I guess uh, one of these creatures, you know, could be. And certainly if you've got a lot of reports, that's that's the hot spot. So, you know, it's it's kind of fun. Now, being in a swamp, I'm just thinking about footprints. And is it hard to decipher footprints? Because, I mean, when we step down on the mud, I mean, it goes everywhere. So how are you able to figure out what, what's a legit footprint as opposed to just a, you know. It, it is challenging. I mean, for sure. And, and the good part about investigating places with water like swamps, it's going to give you a better potential in the substrate for footprints because, you know, hard ground is not going to leave much behind. So mm -hmm. you do have that potential. But then again, if it's too, too mushy, it's going to distort the, the prints. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one thing we've, I've seen over the years that uh, more and more of these areas, especially in the South has been just infested with feral hogs. And it's very frustrating because we'll find a good strip of like maybe a, a two rut road, like a ATV trail or something that's, mm -hmm. you know, we can just walk up that and look for footprints. Cause if anything stepped across it in, in, in the dirt, muddy dirt, it's going to leave a footprint, but you just find where the hogs have just torn it all up. Um, so that, you know, that makes it even harder because it's already hard to find the proverbial needle in a haystack, but now you've got something working against you. So a lot of times we've just been frustrated because how much has been torn up. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that doesn't, you know, we've, you know, we found a, a print, uh, near Boggy Creek and Falk uh, one evening. And, it, and in fact, it looked pretty much like a classic three-toed Boggy Creek monster print. And we just found that by literally walking and walking and looking up these kind of, uh, you know, muddy spots where you could get a footprint. So you can find them and, you know, you'll find alligator footprints. You know, those are, those can be kind of scary when you see a really big one. <laughs> so, yeah, there are things out there. What about noises at night? I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Do you hear? I mean, because look at the Sierra sound. You know, because they were able to get, you know, that 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 speech on there. Do you guys hear a lot of noises out there at night? Uh, occasionally, I mean, you know, it. We, on one occasion, I was in Florida in the in the Ocala National Forest, you know, skunk ape territory. And uh, I heard something, I mean, it literally sounds some, like something was hitting on a can. And that was an odd noise to hear because it was literally no one. This was in January in the, in the middle of, of the Ocala and not really a camping season or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I pursued that and I could hear, I could hear something really big running, but it just stayed just just out of sight. I never could catch up and I couldn't chase it too far because then I was really getting off into the woods um, and didn't want to get lost. But um, that was odd. And then I found the can. Like there it was. I, you know, and you think, well, what would be hitting on a can that would make a noise, not, you know, not just scratching on it. But right. Um, and then in uh, some cases, we we're down in the Mercer Bayou Swamp in Arkansas and heard we were in a canoe and myself and Tom, we heard, we heard this really eerie howl. And 
course, we stopped and started listening. And about 45 seconds later, we hear this howl again. And the second time we heard it, we could focus in. And it was this just kind of a, a growl, howl thing, very deep. And we heard it again. It was absolutely could just kind of rule out a coyote. Uh, it, it wasn't a, a sound of a cougar. Um, foxes make weird noises. It really wasn't that. Um, wasn't a bird. You know, so you just start narrowing it down and it howled again. And uh, it was really spooky because it wasn't too far off. But we're in the water and this was up on the where there was some land. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't hear it again. So we we ended up that was kind of towards late night. And so we turned around and canoed back to where we had our tent on this high ground, which you need to camp on the high ground there because those gators, there's there's huge alligators all in there. Uh, you don't want to be on their level. So we pulled the canoe out and got up on that hill. And no sooner, sooner we got up there, we hear that same howl. But this time it was really close, right across the bayou channel, literally where we pulled out that canoe. Wow. And, you know, I just remember like it, it just you didn't expect that in the moment and sort of the adrenaline flows. And I just grab a light and I just run pell-mell down that hill trying to see what it was. I thought, well, here's my chance, do or die. I guess I felt empowered because I figured it was on the other side of the water, but I never could quite see it. And it moved into the woods so fast. And then about 30 seconds later, it just howled from 50 or 70 yards away. Wow. So yeah, you, you hear strange stuff. And then, you know, when you're done with all that, you just sit there and go, first off, you're like, wow, did we just hear you know, mm -hmm. one of these creatures that everybody has reported here, you know, we heard that. And, and then you, you may quite say, you know, what the hell are we doing in here? <laughs> I know going out in Happy Camp to be out in the woods like that, you get the feeling you're being watched. And I, I mean, it's not, and, and when I felt it, it wasn't like from a bobcat or a bear. I mean, this was really strong. Like when somebody's staring you down, have you felt that way when you're out there? Yeah, there's been times where you just feel like you're not alone, and and you're right. Yeah, it's not a. I mean, there's 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 all sorts of things in the woods, deers and so forth. But um, yeah, you just get that weird feeling, and and that's the thing is, you know, we're we're in their environment. If this is where they exist and live, they heard they heard us coming a mile off. They could smell us. They could hear us. Um, and they well know we're there and, you know, animals, any sort of animal um, is an expert at, at concealing themselves and mm -hmm. surviving. So they could, you know, they could be just out of sight and see you, but you cannot see them. Mm -hmm. What do you like best about, it, about investigating and looking for these things? Uh, I mean, kind of a, kind of two things. Uh, you know, I, I like interviewing the witnesses and hearing their stories. And especially when you, you know, you find somebody who has a very credible story that, you know, by all accounts, they're not making it up and maybe even have sort of a, an emotional reaction to seeing something startling like that. Uh, you know, getting and often getting to know these people, because once they you tell they tell you their story, you know, you have, they trust you and you have some sort of a connection. So I've gotten to know people uh, that I otherwise wouldn't know simply from them reporting a sighting of a cryptid. Um, but I also do like, you know, getting out there into the area and, and doing some investigation sort of uh, in the field just to, you know, just to also compliment that there's reports here, but it is also that it's a wild area that I believe may could support uh, what people are reporting. Absolutely. Now, doing this for as long as you have, have you found that people are more open to this stuff now than they were years ago? Yes, I think so. And I don't know if you find that in your, in your investigations, but it seems like people are more willing to tell you now. And I, I think that's a lot due to just there's, you know, so many of these shows on TV where people see other people saying they had seen something They're like, well, I saw something too. You know, you don't feel like you're the only one. And 
Uh, so the cable television shows have pro proliferated that. And I, I think as well as social media and, uh, you know, sharing information like that. So I think people are a lot more comfortable now than say, you know, 30 years ago, very mm -hmm. hesitant to tell you they saw, you know, an ape in the woods or something, you know. How hard is it, you know, when you, when you go out to attract this thing or you're looking for this thing, how hard is it to, to even find footprints out there? How rare is it? it? It's hard. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and I think as a whole, even, I mean, there's there's a lot of big suspected Bigfoot tracks and, you know, reptilian things, that, but it, it's not that much compared to the number of years that has passed and the number of people that have really seriously looked into this. So it's, it, it's just not that easy. And, you know, I've only, you know, in, in the number of years I've been doing it, it, there's only been a handful of times where I saw footprints or other things where I was like, okay, I, I can't, I ruled out everything else. I don't know what this is, you know, mm -hmm. um, but you just, you know, a lot of it's just luck really. I mean, uh, being at the right place at the right time and, and be persevere and to know what you're looking for. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you gotta I'm sure, you know, hunters are like, well, I've never seen anything. Well, you're probably not looking, you know, if you're not mm -hmm. looking for unknown tracks, you may just walk right by them and not think mm -hmm. anything about it. So, but I mean, you know, with these TV shows and with the internet, it just seems like, man, people are seeing cryptids uh, running everywhere. Um, uh, that's really, I don't think the case. I mean, there, it just seems that way, but true sightings are few and far between, which is the only logical way this could be because uh, otherwise, if there was that many of them, we would, we would more easily discover them or one would get run over by a car or whatever. Right, right, right. Another thought I had was this, this thing has three toes on it. Is it you is this an elongated foot that we're talking about, or is it like a more stubby foot like an alligator would have? Uh, in this case, the, I mean, the, these tracks were, in my opinion, quite suspect just because of the odd nature of them. I mean, it doesn't look as natural um, of a footprint, which, you know, my, my, my thoughts were, I mean, again, you've got people that, that try to add to these things that aren't credible. And then you have to try to sort out which things are legit, which things are not. Uh, this footprint, and there's a picture in my book. I mean, I think most people will agree that it, it it's less animal-like and, and biologically sound than, mm -hmm. than some of the others. Um, but that being said, you know, like the, a print like the Honey Island Swamp Monster, it, that one looks a whole lot more um, strange and does look like a biological animal, um, although kind of close to a an alligator track, but but not an alligator track. So um, each case is unique. And I think the problem with footprints in general, there's not that many. And a lot of them, if, you know, if the creature's not just sort of making a nice you know imprint of its foot it's stepping over sticks and rocks and its foot moves you get these inconsistent footprints that are often hard to compare to the to the next one mm -hmm. so that that creates a problem there's few and far between and they're not just they're not very perfect you know mm -hmm. what about fur samples uh well certainly been been many of those um you know, I've, I've seen several tufts of hair that are suspected Sasquatch hairs. And uh, my colleagues have uh, either found things or people have given us. Um, and those sometimes have sent off to be tested. Um, you know, it's expensive to get scientific testing. And if you're trying to get DNA testing, you know, most, most people don't have access to just randomly get that test. Um, right. And then what we found is a lot of times the collection method of this, of the hairs often contaminates it. So it'll be, you know, it might come back as human, human DNA, even though it looks, doesn't even look like human hair because right. the person's touched it. So you don't have a really good chain of, 
uh, custody on the evidence. Whereas, you know, and, and that's because these are what my friend Shelly uh, Covington calls citizen scientists. I mean, right. most of the people like us are out there looking in, into these cases or doing our best. You know, we don't, we don't have all the scientific gear that we need. We don't have teams. We don't have budgets. So, um, yeah, you just don't don't often get the best uh, pristine samples. But there sure has been a, uh, a number of uh, hair samples that were su suspected Bigfoot mm -hmm. that have turned up the best guess that they could say is, well, it's not any known North American animal. It's not any any great apes and it's not a it's not human we just mm -hmm. don't know what it is it looks similar to to ape hair but not apes mm -hmm. so, you, so you're just sort of left with the unknown still now with all this disclosure you know for uaps and all this do you ever think we're going to have the same type of disclosure for these types of creatures well i mean con conceivably uh we could get past the ufos you think you know that would be the the number one uh thing that that we could accomplish and the government sure we're sure the government has looked into that there's no question mm -hmm. about that right um not such a clear case with cryptids as to whether they've taken that seriously or not mm -hmm. i'm sure at some point especially back in the 1970s when a lot of this first started i, I i'm sure that um the government put some effort into looking into it. Um, and there's been a lot of claims that military personnel and military groups were apprised that their superiors knew something about it. Um, but I, I don't have any faith in the government <laughs> whatsoever doing much of anything, filling a pothole, much less, you know, coming out with a concise answer about UFOs or Bigfoot or ghosts, you know. What do you say for people who might want to do what you do and go out and look for these things? What should they do? Well, um, you know, I, I think that there's a number of ways. It depends on what you want to accomplish. You know, if you want to just uh, document sightings in your local town and interview people, that's one thing you can do. If you want to, you know, if, you're, if your goal in life is to prove the existence of some of these creatures, then obviously you may need to go into the woods. And if you're going to do that, then you do need to be wary and have some sort of knowledge about uh, what you're doing. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many other dangerous things out there that uh, don't have anything to do with the cryptids. So if, if you're going to plunge into the woods, definitely, um, you know, go with others and, and be knowledgeable where you're going and have proper supplies you know we have snake bite kits and we have the water and we have things to start fires if it rained and everything else became wet i mean all the survival gear necessary if you're really going to go off the grid um mm -hmm. which you know in today's world it's hard to get off the grid because your phone can connect to satellites pretty well so mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to do this stuff now than it was you know even 20 years ago uh, but, you know, just know your area and you and you don't necessarily have to trek off to the Pacific Northwest to look for Bigfoot, because if you do a little research, you'll probably find that there's Bigfoot sightings pretty close somewhere uh, nearby you in your state. And that's a good place to start. Reach mm -hmm. out to other, you know, some other cryptid groups on Facebook and say, hey, man, I want to join in. What do you, you know, can you guys, you know, show me the ropes and. I find that most people are just super cool and excited and they'll be glad to show you what they know uh, with this stuff. Absolutely. What's next for you? Well, you know, I've kind of done a range of books um, uh, and I, I'm trying to come up with another topic. I've been researching actually some uh, stories in the Southwest and sightings of other creatures that uh, gives me a little different terrain. I'm still in the South, but in the Southwest, you have a different environment. You know, I'm be out of the swamp environment into the more arid uh, desert type um, places. And there's some really unique uh, reports of creatures out in those areas. So I've really been just kind of fielding a lot of those and just kind of looking at where I want to take that. Um, mm -hmm. 
because it seems like the more the more things you write, the more you begin to say, well, you know, what do I do next type of thing. So I usually just kind of, in some ways, I just let the the let it lead me because, in fact, I got a report today of a skinwalker, um, which you know is something that I, you hear in the Southwest. So I thought, well, that that's cool, and and here comes this random report. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of fits in with some of the stuff I'm looking at. So, so perhaps you know, uh, creatures of the Southwest type book will be next. Absolutely. How can people find you? Well, the best place to find information about me and my work is at my website, lyleblackburn.com, mm-hmm. and that's got links to all sorts of the stuff I've done from the books and. Uh, documentaries to my music and of course you can also get all my books on Amazon where you can get everything else in the world um, so so lyleblackburn.com or check out Amazon fantastic Lyle it's always fun to have you on thank you for coming on and maybe down the line we'll get you on again and talk more about this stuff sounds good I enjoyed it thank you all right Lyle. have a great one all right all right bye-bye all right, it is always fun to have him on. I love talking about that stuff, you know. And like I said, I, I, I had the opportunity to go with some Sasquatch investigators up in Happy Camp many, many years ago. What an experience I'll never forget. Tomorrow we're shifting gears. Tomorrow, Karen Clark, our meeting Karen Clark on our, on our team, went to Disneyland last week. And me, I don't miss a beat. So I put, I gave her a couple of assignments to do while she was there. And I'm not going to get the you know, I'm not going to get the, the the mouse mad at us or anything like that because that's not my goal. But uh, you know, there's a lot of stories about the haunted mansion at Disneyland. You know, people leaving ashes on there. You know, there's a lot of stories about different ghosts around around the park. And why not? I mean, you, if 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 you're going to go, you end up at the happiest place on earth, right? But uh, so I wanted to do something about that, you know, to, to, do a, to do a show about that. So Karen Clark's going to be with us with her experiences from Disneyland, from, from in particular the Haunted Mansion. And she's going to share, you know, the, the, what she felt. And I can share a little bit about when I went back in last February, or in January, February, Carrie and I, uh, producer Carrie and I had some experiences as well when, when we were there. But I'm, uh, I mean, I just want to, I just want to, you know, clarify that none of this is proven. You know, it's, it's paranormal stuff. It's just stories, just ghost stories. But I mean, it's, it's not any worse than what anybody else is doing. I mean, all over TikTok, they tell these stories. So I just thought we, we would get together tomorrow and tell them, okay? I just don't want to, you know, upset the, the, the house of mouse at all. But So I just want to clarify that. So tomorrow at 6.30 p.m., Karen Clark will be here, and we're going to be talking ghosts of Disneyland. So there's something you guys might not want to miss, right? Okay, anyway, uh, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Uh, you know, we're just trying to get the word out about our show. Uh, leave us a happy face, you know, smileys, whatever, because we're, we're just trying to, you know, spread the word, and you guys have done really well with that, really well with that. We're going into our fourth year on the air starting in September, and we're just rolling right along. The, you know, the numbers are growing, and... Uh, I just appreciate each and every one of you, you know, the people that come live here and the people that listen on the RSS feed at, at, at Spotify and different places like that. I really, really appreciate each and every one of you. All right. That being said, I'm going to show you Lyle's information and then we're going to bug out of here and I'll see you guys at 6.30 p.m. tomorrow Pacific to talk about Ghosts of Disneyland. So here we go. Okay. His website is lyleblackburn.com, all lowercase. And the book is a Lizard Man, the Bishopville Monster. And of course, he has other books. Here's Momo Beyond Boggy Creek. A Creek? Creek. I'm losing my mind. Beyond Boggy Creek. You've got The Beast of Boggy Creek, Sinister Swamps. And there's several other books. And of course, they're all available. At his website and Amazon. So check those books out. He's got a lot of interesting books out. 
Anyway, I want to thank you all for coming, and I will see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great rest of your evening.